Welcome to Rising to the Top, Lessons in Leadership, brought to you by Columbia University. This is a podcast where we interview senior industry leaders who share the secrets of their success and reveal pivotal moments that impacted their career path. Come listen as they shed light on obstacles they overcame, as well as wins they achieved. My name is Paul Maniachi from the Career Design Lab, and I will be your host for today's discussion with Leah Heister Burton. The best fundraisers are the best relationship builders, people who can really build these authentic, trusted relationships, both internally and externally, are hands down the best in the industry that I've come across. Leah is Deputy Director and Chief Advancement Officer for the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum and Foundation. As the architect of a robust advancement strategy, Burton oversees the raising of funds for all areas of the museum, including exhibitions, acquisitions, conservation, and education. She leads a department that seeks support from individuals and affinity groups, foundations, corporate sponsorship and global partners, membership, special events, and annual fundraising. She works closely with the Board of Trustees and sits on the executive and governance and nominating committees of the board. Burton serves as a part-time lecturer at Columbia University in the Master of Nonprofit Management program, where she teaches fundraising fundamentals for nonprofits and major and leadership giving. She received her Master of Science in Nonprofit Management with a focus in fundraising from Columbia University. A member of the Columbia University School of Professional Studies Alumni Council, Burton is also a board member of the Association of Fundraising Professionals in New York City. Welcome, Leah. Welcome. It's great to be with you today, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here today. We're, we're excited to, to learn more about, about your career and to be able to, to share some of uh, what you've learned along the way with our students and our alumni. I'm looking forward to our conversation. In our previous conversation, when we were, when we were preparing for today, you were talking about, about storytelling. And storytelling is something that's, that's really important to us as far as this podcast and the way that we're able to, to share lessons. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about storytelling. You mentioned that working at the Guggenheim, you and the staff are storytellers. Can you elaborate on this? I very much hold true to the fact that I think a big part of my job in the museum's mission is that of telling stories. We have a real responsibility as a modern and contemporary art museum to tell artists' stories, both past and present. And what I think is so wonderful is the linkage and symmetry that we might find between art and shared experience and collective learning in these stories. And I believe, and some people think this is might be a bold proclamation, but that art truly is imperative for the future of humanity. If you think of your own personal experience, for example, you often turn to art during life's greatest moments and during the most difficult and trying of times. And certainly we've seen that over the last several years. Art helps soothe, it inspires, it helps explain certain moments in history, and people sometimes take that for granted. And I think likewise, as we are storytellers at the museum, telling artist stories and engaging with the public, I think it's important to remember that by definition, fundraisers also are storytellers. And we do this through the development of our case language. And people are compelled to give because of an impactful narrative or story that defines a need, that provides a visionary solution, and invites participation. And so I really think 
of my role as the museum is really to share our stories with as broad of an audience as possible and to work with my team to do the same. I understand, and I think our listeners would understand that you need to be able to build relationships, especially if you're making asks, whether it's for money, time, resources, you know, whatever it might be, engagement. One of the things that that you enjoy and that's really important in your role at the Guggenheim is this idea of relationship building. Where did you learn how to build those relationships? And do you have any any tips or best practices for, for people that, are, that want to build um, lasting relationships, whether it's with their work colleagues or, you know, or for students in the classroom or, or wherever it might be? And thank you for that question. I think it's an important one. And I think as a fundraiser, we're not just building external relationships. Those are incredibly, incredibly critical, obviously, to our work. Those are the people who are investing in your mission. Uh, But it's also imperative that you're building a strong culture of philanthropy and the internal relationships to do the work as a fundraiser. I could not be a successful fundraiser if I did not build trusting relationships with my peers inside the museum. Um, In the intro, you talked about all the departments that I work with. And my success is absolutely critical to those relationships and those, you know, the trust that I have with my colleagues across the board and knowing that it's our shared success um, there and, and knowing that I rely on them to help cultivate and build these relationships alongside my own team. And I think that's really important. In terms of relationship building, it's got to be authentic. It can't be fake forced. It can't be to fill some objective or vision that you have that's that's non-authentic it's really got to be true and um, and there's got to be a good understanding of the causation of the relationship how you got there what you're looking to build and i think natural like you can't go into building a relationship thinking my only goal out of this is having someone write a check to the museum there are so many other things that will come as a result in cultivating and, and building these relationships that I think is is so important. Uh, and I think the best fundraisers are the best relationship builders, people who can really build these authentic, trusted relationships, both internally and externally, are hands down the best in the industry that I've come across. I wanted to transition to, to learning a little bit more about your interest in, in the nonprofit industry, your passion for it, uh, what it is that, that's appealing to you about it, particularly why you're interested in fundraising. I was drawn to fundraising, right? I, th- I don't think anyone, maybe now, um, that there's a, a brighter light shown on fundraising, but I never grew up saying I wanted to be a fundraiser. I think I gravitated towards this work, whether I realized it or not, because of the relationship building involved. And I think equal parts for storytellers are we relationship builders, both for internal and external relationships. And, and so I was really drawn to fundraising because of that. And I think naturally to the nonprofit industry because of this idea of impact and the idea of working for something greater than myself. Um, I was raised in a household where that was very important and instilled from a very young age. And I knew that that had to be a part of my professional pursuits. I thought originally it might be in the legal field, um, but then uh, ultimately found fundraising and, and the fit was quite perfect. But I think, you know, 
what about working in the nonprofit sector particularly appeals to me. It's this idea that nonprofits exist to fill societal needs, right? That's the whole impetus for the reason they exist. And what could be more compelling and important than that, especially in today's world, is without X, Y, or Z organization, put in any, put in the Guggenheim, put in Wild Cornell Medicine, put in the Robin Hood Foundation, right? what wouldn't exist in today's world without these organizations and what need in society would be left void and i think that's that at the end of the day is what compels me each and every day to get up and work in the nonprofit industry imagining you in a conversation with a with a donor and they you know you're having a conversation you're talking with them and they're saying this is what i would like for you to use my my money for and and then the the two of you kind of meet in the middle somewhere how do you take this idea or like this sketch and then actually bring it to life. And then not only that, but once you're activating it, how do you know that it's going to meet what the what the donor is looking for? I think the most important point there is donors should never dictate the mission of your organization. The organization should be dictating the mission and the programs and the initiatives that a donor would be supporting. And so you might work in concert and in tandem with the donor to realize something, but it's really your strategic priorities, your vision as an organization that the donor is helping support. And so the way in which you're telling it, that story, painting that picture to the donor becomes really important because as you're cultivating and getting to know that donor, right? So I'm getting to know you, Paul, um, and I know that you are incredibly interested in emerging contemporary artists. And so I know that we have initiatives that already exist that I'm going to ask you to help support um, that's coming up. And so it's really a puzzle of saying, okay, I know this donor, I know their interests, I know what's coming up in terms of our strategic priorities. Here's a wonderful fit in which how they can be involved to realize um, said priority. And so I think that's important is it should not be the donor dictating the programmatic area or what have you. Sure, they, they might be interested in outcomes and deliverables and reporting and data and all of that, which is to be expected um, and that you should feel that you can deliver on, but it should be an institutional priority of the organization knowing that you're committed to this and then it's not happening in a silo because one donor said that they wanted to see a program about X, Y, or Z. We're going we're gonna to pivot again. And I'd, I'd love to hear about your experience at the School of Professional Studies, uh, studying nonprofit, what you took out of that time that you were at, at Columbia and how you were able to to action it. The piece that I really appreciate, and I think both at Columbia and my undergraduate experiences, they both taught me how to ask questions, how to think critically, how to communicate, as well as this idea of how our work relates to other fields and this idea of becoming a global citizen. And, and I think that's so important. And I think the piece that I love about SPS, and it's the reason why I'm still involved as an adjunct faculty member, is this idea of a practitioner-led model, right? So we're going to talk about the best practices that exist. And then we're going to talk about what it means in a real-life scenario. And I think that's so important because words on pages in a book or in an article or what have you only tell half the story. It's, you know, this case study analysis that becomes so important. And the other piece that I've really taken from my own experience at Columbia was equal parts to 
the academic rigor and the education is the connections that you make within the program, within your cohort, within you know the entire school program, your professors, people that you meet through university programs, the opportunities that are afforded to you through Columbia Network. It's it's really important, and you know I. When I ended up graduating from Columbia and being offered a job by my capstone professor at the time, who to this day is one of the most important mentors that I have, someone that I go to when I have tough work challenges, when I have tough professional decisions in front of me. And I think that relationship has been worth its weight in gold in terms of equal parts to my degree, which is amazing and something I'm so proud of are these relationships. And that's just one example of, of such relationship. We're going to go back to, to talking about your work at the at the Guggenheim. And and I'm interested, so since this podcast is is about leadership, I was wondering if you could define how you see leadership or, or, or what does it mean to be a leader? Yeah, I mean, that is a very <laughs> interesting question, I think, for anyone to answer. And, and you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about my role as a leader and manager. And I think it's important to recognize, and I'm sure my colleagues in the business school can speak about this with much more um, fervor than I, but being a leader and being a manager are two different things. And most often people are relating leadership to one's position in an organization. So it's important to recognize that being a leader has nothing to do with your title. Just because I'm a chief advancement officer doesn't mean I'm a good leader, right? But a leader is someone who really looks to take initiative and really invest to help realize whatever the organization's mission, vision, and purpose offer values are. And I think what it means to be a leader is to be supporting others in their professional development. I heard this um, great idea from one of my peer fundraisers, this idea of lifting people up as you climb professionally. And I think the most difficult part of being a leader is the management aspect and building teams is the most difficult part, but can also be the most rewarding. As I think about management responsibilities related to leadership, it's all about this idea of being able to plan, to organize, to galvanize people together, to help lead. And managers can only become, I think, great leaders when they look at all four of these areas and adequately carry out those leadership responsibilities on top of their managerial ones. And I think that a leader can be anyone. And that's my biggest, I guess, piece of advice to anyone listening is you can lead within your organization from a very junior position. It's not only the C-suite, it's not only the number one at the organization that can be looked to as a leader. And so I think understanding how your behavior, your choices, your work can be seen in a leadership capacity is really important and really, I think, critical to any organization's success. Are there, would you say that there's certain lessons that you've learned as a leader that could be shared out, you know, outside of nonprofits? Advice and lessons I would give myself um, at a different point in my careers. You're not always going to be liked and you're not always going to be understood and that's okay. And you have to be okay with that. You're going to have to make extraordinarily difficult decisions for the best interest of your organization, but that is part of your role. And you have to recognize and understand 
how decision-making affects not just you, your team, your department, but sort of the pan-organizational level. And I think that is very important. I think also you have to acknowledge that just because you are one type of manager or one type of leader doesn't mean that you are not done growing and developing and understanding how you can continue to hone in on skill sets in these areas. And I think especially in the change landscape that we're seeing, whether you're in the nonprofit or for-profit world right now, never has it been more clear that we have to continue refining, adjusting, learning, developing, growing, listening to our peers, understanding, questioning, all of these things as a leader right now. We can't just say, oh, what I did in 2019 is going to work in 2022 because it's not. And that's really, really key. And so I think this idea of constant evaluation is so important. I think people can learn from fundraising a great deal, right? So much of our work is about storytelling and relationship building. And I would say there's synergy across many fields, industries, what have you. And fundraising is much more strategic than just building a relationship and asking someone for money. It's this mixture of art and science as we hear um, which is so important. And I think the relationship building piece is the art, but there is science, there is data, there is a lot of informed decision-making that happens um, related to really successful fundraising programs. And so I think there's a place for any individual who's interested in nonprofit work within fundraising as a whole. It's not just the frontline fundraisers meeting with donors. I work with an incredible you know, operational team who's thinking about data-driven analytics, who's thinking about research, uh, what have you. And so I think that's important too, is there's a lot of pieces of fundraising that aren't as well known. And I think it's a wonderful field to work in. And I'm also really grateful for Columbia and the work that it's doing within SPS, within its own program of nonprofit management. Um, and the program has grown leaps and bounds since I've been a part of it. And I think continues to evolve as the landscape of fundraising evolves. Well, thank you so much again, Leah, for, for joining us. I, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. Thank you, Paul. It was a pleasure speaking with you um, and look forward to any way I can help support the Columbia community moving forward. Thank you for listening to Rising to the Top Lessons in Leadership. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. To get more information and tips on how you can advance your career, visit Columbia University's Career Design Lab at Career Design Lab dot sps dot columbia dot edu